Welcome to Cosmic You, the podcast where we explore the depths of spirituality, self-discovery, and the mysteries of the universe. I'm Holly. And I'm Bree. Through our journey, we've discovered that the universe is a reflection of our inner selves, and by exploring the cosmos, we can discover new insights which guide us to unlock our true potential. Each week, we'll be diving into a new topic related to spirituality, inviting guests along the way who are experts and thought leaders in their field to join us to share their unique insights and perspectives. Throughout conversations, we hope to inspire you to discover the sacred within yourself and the world around you. We are so excited to embark on this journey with you. Welcome to Cosmic You. Welcome back to another episode of Cosmic You, the podcast. Today, we're sharing a bonus episode with you. This episode is actually from another podcast, The Moon in You, that was was recorded about three years ago in 2021. Susan Hart from Moon in You interviewed Holly about all things Ayurveda and Divine Feminine. We hope you love this episode as much as we do. I'm super keen to talk to this soulful woman. So hello and welcome, Holly. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure. And listener, I can actually see her here and she's just divine. Oh, bless. (laughs) Straight back at you. (laughs) Thank you, my darling. So, Holly, you are a yoga teacher, Mm -hmm. divine feminine from Ayurvedic wellness coach and mentor. I want to dive into all of this, especially the Ayurvedic wellness. But first, how are you, my friend? It's been a while. I know. It's been definitely a year, I would say, since I would have seen you. Yes. Been a long time. That's a long, long time. Um, yeah, I'm good. It's been a big week this week. Yeah, I think you might have saw my Instagram post last night. It's been um, a roller coaster, but it's it's landing again, so it's it feels good. Yes. And did you land well? Have you landed well? Yes, I have. I feel like I've been landing and relanding every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like today it's like okay, yeah. we're officially landed in that new expanded space and I don't think we're going down or up again anytime soon Lovely. I hope in your bio there are a few sentences that I'd like to explore the first is your belief that when we begin to get glimpses of our innate wisdom we truly start to evolve and transform into our potential now Holly I'm 55 years old and I just now at this present time I'm just now filling into my wisdom so for me I'm curious to know your thoughts on the difference between innate wisdom and the wisdom that comes with age for example is innate wisdom what you were born with and that is what you help with people to tap into is that what yeah is that what you tap into the innate wisdom So I think how I look at this is we definitely all have this innate wisdom within us and that's the, I suppose that wisdom or that consciousness, that spark is what then um, manifests us into physical form, into this human body. And then I almost see the physical body and the physical world sometimes as a mask or um, a layering or a sheath covering up that innate wisdom. And as we get older, we have more life experience that teaches us things and things that um, teach us how to drop off those layers. We stop caring so much. So there's definitely, I see that wisdom is the same. The wisdom is as you get older 
is just you tapping back into that innate wisdom that you were born with, but you now just have so much more life experience to feel, I guess, even willing to start to shed some of those layers that you might protect yourself with because you're still figuring out life, moving through, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s. 50s. Um, 50s. 50s, 70s. So we have this whole wisdom that we're all born with and that is who we are. Um, And that's kind of the whole purpose of life in my beliefs is just to remember that wisdom um, and to come back to that innate wisdom. So I see them as the same, but we have this whole life ahead of us to tap into that wisdom. Um, We don't have to learn it all straight away, but yeah, it's our life experience that helps us feel safe enough to shed those layers, to find that spark again. Mm, Yes, to find that spark again. Yes. We were talking just before the podcast about how I was, I was sharing with you about my age and I've just now dedicated this year to yoga. I've been doing yoga on and off for many, many years but never really devoted myself to it. Yes. So this year I have clocked up 60 practices. That's amazing. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. I can feel it, I can tell you now. And only last Wednesday night I did what was called wild thing or or is it wildling wild thing wild thing so what happened to me was I just didn't think that I could do it because I was telling my brain my brain obviously was telling me you can't do it you're too old you're going to collapse and either or or fart which is a big (laughs) thing about older women in yoga and you're going to embarrass yourself and don't do it and I just went I listened to the teacher and I breathed and I felt strong. I said, no, I'm going to do this. So it's, you know, the downward dog and then you kind of flip and then you go on your bottom and then you lift up. Yeah. Well, as I rose up to it, I, I tears were coming down my, my face. So I did my downward dog. I pulled over to my bottom and then I, as I raised up and I breathed out, I went, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm frigging doing this. Amazing. And, and that's my – the potential that I have is, a, is an enormous. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I love about both your teaching or what you do for people is that you create this um, belief within them. We shed the story that mm. we've been telling ourselves for years and we can come back to our true nature, our, our innate wisdom that let's distrust our body. It's yeah. strong enough now. I've been eating well. I've been doing this 60 times now. I'm pretty sure I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. In saying that, when that happens to your students in yoga, let's talk a little bit about yoga for a moment, does that light you up? What, what sort of the things that you love about that when, when you see your students, you think, wow, they actually are accomplishing something? How does it make you feel? So I think it's, there's definitely that aspect of people being able to expand themselves physically. But I think for me what it is is what they then reap for themselves mentally and energetically once they kind of, I suppose, quote-unquote, succeed in that physical pose. There comes this breakthrough energetically and mentally. They literally, as you said, you shed a story or you shed a belief about yourself or even a belief about the world because when you can, you know, the, the asanas, the poses of yoga, they do create an energetic shift within the body and especially if they're present and breathing, breathing into it, then that's when things really begin to shift and change. So I think for me, why I love teaching yoga so much and 
you know, still always every class, there's some kind of moment that someone will come up and say something to you, or they might say, you know what, I actually finally understood what you meant when you said that. I finally felt it and I got it. Um, Or people saying that they're getting stronger mentally, they're more steady, they have more groundedness in who they are. Um, And a lot of people I teach yoga to are actually around your age, they're not my age. So it's really beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's very much a shared experience of teaching, I find, and I don't even think they probably realize what they teach me. But yeah, I think it's that seeing someone transform and push through those limiting beliefs of what they previously had um, and not just understanding that intellectually, but actually getting that in their physical body and seeing that change there. Yes. Yes, I certainly agree. I was feeding my little dog the other day and Jason turned around and said, Sue, you're in a squat pose. <laughs> like seriously, legs squatted. And then I immediately got frightened because I thought, how am I going to get up? <laughs> I, am... <laughs> I, yeah, I, immediately, I immediately got frightened because that's what happened. I went, I mean, this, I, I, yes, so what do I do? What do I do? And I goes, well, how, how did you get down here? Yeah. Just do it without thinking. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I did, and I, and I did, and that's what happens, isn't it? Because, yeah. and, and I suppose, though, look, we have to give um, credit where credit is due, and our, our body does have the flight and fight, um, yes. you know, it's there to protect us because it's saying, oh, you've done that once and you've really hurt your knees, mate. So don't yeah. do it again. You know, you really you put your hand on the stove once, mate. Don't do it again. Yeah, exactly. So, so I understand that there is a there is something in there, but if but we shouldn't allow that to stop us from trying to do certain things because I am stronger. And so when I did it, I went. I was fearful, and then I, I talked to myself kindly. And I said, you know what, Suze, it's okay. Jason's there. If something happens, you can always you know fall back on your bum and he yeah. can pick you up. So try, just try yeah. to get up, and. I did, and I succeeded, and, and there you go. It was all it was all good. It's all good. Yeah. But there was that response time. There was that little moment of yeah. like, I won't swear. I went, oh, yeah. bugger. <laughs> okay, talk, be kind, and then I, I raised myself up. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is sometimes is because our body does have that fight or flight response. It protects us. It, it makes sure that we survive and that we're alive. But if we're not aware of that all the time, it can kind of get in the way of a, a lot of our life. We can stay stuck in that because it's such, um, you know, it's so programmed into our physical being and into our nervous system. So it's so important to have an awareness of that. So it's not always controlling you and every choice you make, you're mm-hmm. able to kind of go back to the wisdom and get out of the um, fight or flight response. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the other areas I'd love to talk to you about, because women of your age they there there are still uh, traumas that they've had to deal with when they're children. Everybody has traumas. Everybody has had some trauma, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale, but there's always been some trauma, even when you realise that Santa Claus is no longer real. That yeah. can be traumatic for some children. I know it was for me, and what it was is not the fact that there's no, no Santa Claus, but that I was lied to yeah. for so long. And then I thought, my, my next question as a seven-year-old is, what else are they lying to me about? Mm. I was actually quite, had a lot of issues around that. Anyway, by the by. But what I'd like to share with my aged wisdom 
is that if you add another 25 years onto the already 25 years you've already lived and you do not address those issues, there's way too many more layers to take off. It's like it's like mm. 100 heavy coats, and so you take one off and one off. Whereas at the moment, when you are younger, and especially with, that, with my listener, who is probably more in your age bracket between 25 and 40, say, mm. the opportunity to do this, oh, what, do you, what would you call it? Mm. Work, hard work. <laughs> <laughs> hard work would be better (laughs) start young start young because the older you get the the harder it is to to not necessarily remember but to unravel what what actually caused all the trauma in the first place because i do believe that most trauma in in adult life comes from childhood i really do because of the misconceptions and misunderstandings and what you think isn't so so your work is so much needed in the world my love it's so much needed and i'm so grateful i'm so grateful i found you again i want to move now on to your work in your ayurvedic studies or your ayurvedic sort of world so i work oh it kind of honestly ties into every aspect of what i do and the the meaning of Ayurveda is the science or the knowledge of life. So mm. it's hard to kind of compartmentalize it into just one thing that I do. Um, it's it's the same as my yoga practice, I suppose, as well. I see that as not just a practice, but as life itself. Um, so I guess in terms of yoga, it it really the knowledge of Ayurveda really comes into structuring a class and supporting individuals because we're all so different. That's what um, Ayurveda is really focused on, the, that we're all so unique. And although we have a lot of sameness and we come from that same soul, that same innate wisdom, we all manifest in a very different way to literally then be able to achieve that soul's purpose. We all have a very unique purpose Um, And that's what this physical form and the mental qualities and skills that we have um, are there to support. So it's, it's being able to look at an individual and understand them in their totality and not kind of just see them um, in comparison or even relation to someone else, but being able to see them completely. Um, And I think Ayurveda helps us to see the power of each individual person and the uniqueness of them and not think because they don't have, you know, a certain skill that someone else has that makes them really successful, that that means they're unsuccessful. Uh, So it's helped me in really supporting people to get to that place where they own who they are, every aspect of who they are, and especially for young women, um, the way we look, just actually owning that and not feeling so, um, having to compare if my hair is not like hers or my face structure, my body structure is not like hers, or I don't think like she does. Um, that once I kind of really got into Ayurveda, all of that, I mean, of course I still have moments (laughs) where I, I wish I was like someone else, but as long as I can remember that innate wisdom, all of that stuff just doesn't matter because I was given this and we were all given our unique, um, you know, quality of how we even look to support us in what we do in this world. So that's something I think very much that I'm trying to get across to young women is because I still feel and see through conversation and through experience how much that is um, 
you know, holding young women so tightly in every choice they make, everything they do, um, it's still, there's still so much more work to be done. And I think, like you said, this is the time to learn all of that and unlearn what we've been told. Mm. We were never told as young women to embrace your individuality in the way you look. There was always one idea of what you were supposed to look like. And Mm. as you see, that completely changed from when I was a teenager. It was all about being completely, you know, stick thin and really small, not having curves. And now we're starting to embrace the curves. So it's, but it's still not teaching us to embrace us because there's always a model and an image that we're trying to achieve Mm. and it just changes through the ages. So that's something where if we look at this innate wisdom of Ayurveda, um, we can actually hopefully learn to embrace ourselves for who we are, not look to something outside of us, um, but really just look to ourselves. So that's something that I work with a lot. So I do Reiki as well and um, I, I mostly work with people, you know, young women my age in that and working, understanding those energy centers and how they relate to specific qualities in Ayurveda or certain elements. Um, and it's really, I think we also move through different elements and qualities in life and young women, we're all moving through those same, um, lessons. So yeah, it's supported me in so many different ways, but it's mostly taught me how to embrace who I am. And then that's what I, I want to share with other people is how to embrace who they are to first learn about themselves learn about their wisdom and then actually embrace that, not try to change it. Cause it's, it's not by accident. Um, it, it's all on purpose. Because we are all unique. We all have a unique thing that we are to be giving to the world. And when we are constantly comparing or trying to be like everybody else, then the world just gets this, it's like this clone of other people. And you can see that in Instagram feeds. You can see that in Instagram stories and when you go on TikTok, everybody's trying to be like everybody else. And mm-hmm. again, that is, because, that is one of our nature. It is our nature as human beings because we copy things and we, we notice patterns and we see patterns and we like to do that. And that is, um, that's all good. But that's not really what I'm talking about. That's more survival. I'm talking about what do we really do contribute to the world? So just on what you were saying about bringing this uniqueness to the world, I'm a, I'm a bookkeeper by trade. I have uh, qualifications in accounting. And, but I also love astronomy, astrology, uh, all things science, the unified field, watercolours, um, yoga, Ayurveda. So I love all that stuff. So I have this right-left brain thing. So I've been in my bookkeeping practice for like 25 years mm. and in, in the accounting world for like 33 years. And I just thought, oh, no, I was going to be interested in that. No one's going to what everyone wants to know about yoga and, and you know, not and should I be a yoga teacher? Should I do this and should I do that? And then when, when Elena Brower kindly slaps you in the face and says, you know what, wake up, you wow. have something unique to give to the world. I meditated upon it and asked the question, what do I bring to the world? And so that's my unique comp- contribution to the world. Yeah. Nobody is as unique as me. And that's my message as well from the, what you've just told me. That's what I'd love to share with my listeners is that you are unique. You have a very special 
gift inside of you that only you can give to the world. Because things like comparison and, you know, worrying Mm. about what everyone else is doing Mm. literally stops you in your tracks. And it's just so silly because then you aren't actually giving the world anything. You're so afraid of what you're putting out there that you end up doing nothing, Um, which is not the Absolutely correct. And you Mm. know what? Even if you put something out there and it's ugly and nobody gets it and nobody cares, it doesn't matter. So you may as well do it. And even if one person resonates with that, then that's all that matters. Yeah. And if no one resonates with it, you've strengthened that trust in yourself to follow that um, curiosity. And the more that you accept that curiosity and take action on it the the louder that curiosity will get and it will become truth it will feel like you're tapping more and more back into yourself so yeah I had I've done a lot of that this year just getting rid of voice that tells you no don't do it (laughs) because what if what if and you know giving up on that voice you can't the the voice of your soul does get louder and you just trust it more you don't doubt it Thank you, Holly. That was wonderful. I'm, I am really keen to explore what you have to offer because I think that the more that, especially because you're Australian as well, yeah, um, it's, it's lovely. Now, I am going to ask you to close off our podcast with a guided meditation to that. But before I sign off and hand it over to you to do that, just a couple of quick little social questions I'm always fascinated with other people's reading habits. Now, you may not read, so you can just pass on this one, but if you could tell me, what are you reading now? So I'm one of those people who read about five to ten books at a time, which is what's so wow. in I need more masculine to my structure of book reading. <laughs> but um, the one that I'm reading the most at the moment is Autobiography of a Yogi, and I read that. A few years ago. Are you reading that? I've read it. I've read it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I am blown away by the commitment he has, the yeah. devotion. Actually, it was through his words, through um, Yogananda, y- y- yeah. Yogananda, his yeah. um, words of devotion, where I thought, I don't know, I'm not devoted to anything. Yeah. What can I be devoted to? You know, really devoted. And now this year it's yoga. So I read that yeah. book two years ago. And, yeah. and now, just only now, it resonates. So, perfect book. What yeah. are you getting out of that at the moment? Well, the devotion is, is really on, on point for me as well. Because I, I read it a few years ago and I was a lot younger. I, I was a yoga teacher then, but I guess, you know, with age and with more and more experience in practice comes new knowledge. And so reading it the second time around, I think I am very... Yeah, the devotion that he had from such a young age on his mission and on his path, and he didn't let anyone deter him from that, although there were plenty of roadblocks um, and people telling him that he shouldn't do that. Or And I think in one particular bit when he – I think it's when he finds his guru and just how it just so naturally unfolds and it just reminds me to have that trust and that faith because I think – You know, we're always in search of something or at least someone to guide us and hold us in that space and just trusting that those people will continually come into your life as you need them. I think for me, that's what I'm getting from it at the moment. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Is there any other books that you're reading? You said you had five. I'm also... (laughs) 
the other one that I keep picking up as well is called Phosphorence. Oh, yes, I'm reading that now. Oh, it's such a beautiful book. (laughs) Isn't it? And um, at the beginning, I'm thinking, is this a self-help book or is she just going to talk about jellyfish? Yeah, which I really loved, oddly. <laughs> yes, me too, me too. Yeah, I'm only I'm about a quarter way through that. So, But I yeah. love the book cover. It's just so lovely to, to touch. It looks like it's um, got glowworms all over it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. I um, I was gifted that book and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really normally like being gifted books. I like to pick them myself and go through that experience. But, oh, it, it's such a nice book. Yes. So I would recommend that one too. Yes, me too. Mm. Yeah, at the moment, they're the ones that are, are making the most impact that I keep picking up. There's been a few that I've picked up and haven't quite returned to, mm. which is also just me. But, um, yeah, those two for sure. Well, the one that I'm reading is um, by Joanne Fedler. She is an Australian. Uh, she migrated here about 25 years ago from South Africa, and it's called Unbecoming, and it really is for women of my age who have had children and they're all grown up and she's trying to find herself. It's going back to our theme, going back to that theme of going, well, if, if you're, you reach 30, 55 and you are finding yourself like, who am I and what is this life all about and I'm really hating my life, wouldn't it be nice to arrive at 55 and going, yeah, I love my life, I know who I am and I'm really happy. See the, the difference, the comparison? And by starting early in your life to unravel all the shit and from childhood or and adolescence and to arrive in your early twenties or late twenties as a as a fully grown adult is so much better. So much better yeah. than arriving at fifty five. And this is what this book is all about. So I would encourage you, my friend, to yeah. to look at that Joan Fedler unbecoming. It's it's an eye opener. It's funny. It's it. laugh out loud funny. She's a it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I wonder if there's a, a link between uh, women your age at the moment doing more of this work now that's being a catalyst for younger women to do that too. Perhaps you didn't have role models when you were our age doing the work. Um, so I think because in the last two years especially, there's been so many more young women come to me and open up to this stuff. Um, and I think that's probably a testament to um older women doing that as well and having the the confidence and trust in exploring yes. for the first time. Yes. Oh, and, and fear goes away too because, you know, as you age, um, and I use this word um, with great respect and a lot of people may get triggered by this word, but the word is death. Mm. And we're so frightened, of course, because it's an unknown thing. But um, as you age, there's two things that you do. You either move towards it as Ram Dass would say, with an upbeat attitude, or you don't and you become the crone that most people align themselves with, the witchy, gnarly, angry, sort of twisted woman that is frightened and angry and just really, oh, just difficult mm cantankerous these words come come to mind and i just remember um thinking my nan was never a cantankerous woman my mother's mother was never a cantankerous woman she was kind and beautiful and and she died way too young and my great-grandmother alice as well 
she was not cantankerous. She, everybody else around her was. Um, her other daughters were just her dreadful, Aunty Doris and a few other people. But my, my great-grandmother, Alice, she taught me piano. And it's these women that I go, that's the sort of woman that I want to be. I want to yeah. be soft. I want to be, you know, kind. I want to be compassionate. I want to be able to still give in my, at my age, and, and I'm doing it. Mm. And I, I feel quite um, alive with that. And, and two, because I surround myself with young people like yourself, mm. you know. Uh, and the other thing, too, is I don't, I don't have children, and so whether that makes a difference or not, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I do surround myself with women who have had children, and so I hear their stories. It's pretty horrendous, I can tell you. <laughs> no, it's like hang on do i go into the field of having children or not yeah see that's an that is a whole another podcast because mm-hmm. um, most women my age if i were to talk tell their daughters you know what there is another path living a child-free life is glorious it's mm. It, it is can be difficult too because you know you have to get through the natural born pull of motherhood and there are moments where you see a mother breastfeeding or and it it really hurts you and you cry and, and you go oh i wonder what that's like mm. but that doesn't stay with you forever it's like all emotions it will come up you feel it and then you lay it down and then you take up the mantle of the work that you're doing or the joy of what you're doing and you move on until the next pain that comes and you get probably three or four times a year it would catch me. Yeah. That's it. Three or four times a year and that's it. So I don't know why we ended up talking about me and my childless life, but anyway, <laughs> I... be relevant for someone out there listening. Correct. That's correct. My darling, I would like to end now with, first of all, thanking you for your honesty and your wisdom, innate and aged wisdom, may I say, because you're not that young. <laughs> and... Dear listener, if you would love to know more about this woman's work, I will have some links for you in the show notes for you to follow and I guarantee you will not be disappointed. I'm going to close off now and say goodbye to you and I like to call all my listeners my daughters because that's who they are, they're my daughters. And I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Holly and she's going to close with a meditation of her choice thank you so much for having me it's been an honor to share and sit with you um, and do your wisdom as well it's beautiful thank you <laughs> so i would sit down for this if you can try not to do this walking or of course driving but so this is a meditation for your throat chakra the energy of communication self-expression and as we do enter into gemini season it's very much governed by ether which is that quality and that element of gemini so it's a really beautiful meditation for you to reconnect to that energy center and for you to feel safe again um, in expressing your truth and and who you desire to be it's more of a body meditation to begin you're actually just going to put your hands on your head and just give your head a little bit of a massage you can really feel into where your fingers connect to your head And then start to make your way down over your face. So almost like you would rub your hands together to warm them up. Just kind of start to do that to your face as well, giving your bone structure a massage. And really pay attention to your jaw and to your chin. 
So anything above your collarbones and below your lower lip is all related to your throat chakra. And then start to move down over your throat as if you're trying to really move and massage your limb. You can move around to the back of the neck as well. Don't forget these energy centers are not just on the front body. There's so much of what we do when we meditate is just kind of close the eyes and try and be still. We forget to get in the body first. So find any tender points around your neck or the base of your skull and really give more attention to that space. And even just notice if this feels weird. You're like, what am I doing this for? (laughs) And then just eventually begin to lower your hands into your lap. You can put palms face up or down. And then just start to close your eyes. And begin to bring awareness to breath. So find a one-to-one ratio breath, which might be inhaling for four. And exhale for four. And you're really letting your body know that you're here and that you've come back. You're allowing your body to step forward and to take the leap. So feel the breath filling in the space of your throat chakra. Breathing into the chest, breathing into your throat. Feel the air move. And see if you can sense the gland of the thyroid wrapping around your airway there in your throat. And you might even touch your throat again to find that space. You might find as you try and breathe into this space, you might be met with blockage or stagnation. It might even feel difficult to connect, but that's okay. It's just information you're receiving about this energy center. Information so you can get to know yourself better. Notice the space above your collarbones all the way to your jaw. And imagine that you have almost like a scarf wrapped around your neck and your throat, literally embracing you and holding you here. Remember to wrap this around your back body. There's a whole backside of this center that I want you to engage with and allow your awareness into. So feeling the full shape, the front, the sides, the back of the throat. And for a moment now, we're just going to move awareness. So open your awareness down to your bladder your urinary bladder, the one that sits way down in your pelvis. So we're now moving into the second chakra, the sacral chakra, the area of your uterus, your sex organs, center of creativity, divine feminine. 
You're leaving the throat chakra behind just for a second to tune into the space between the pelvic bones. Now allow your breath to descend into this space. The space in between the bones. Release tightness. Let this space soften. And through that softening, become more free and expanded. We'll practice now a two-pointed awareness meditation. So bring your awareness to both of these areas. Second chakra in the pelvis. And the chakra of your throat. And keep one imaginary eye in the throat. And one imaginary eye down the ladders of the chakras, down the ladder of the spine, into the sacral chakra. You'll notice that there is a connection between these two chakras, between these two points. It's almost like you're looking at two things at once, but also not looking at either one. Rather, you are feeling two things at once, feeling two wisdom points within your body. Feel the motion of your second chakra, the sacral chakra within your pelvis, and the motion at the throat chakra. And just sense if they're balanced, if they're moving at the same time, rising and falling at the same time. And it doesn't matter if they are or they aren't. I'm just paying attention to the energetic and the physical. The energetic is the space in between. And this space in between is the medicine is the inherent health of your system. And this wellness lies in the suspended space. And just allow a feeling, maybe a word or a symbol to come through now, of what these centers feel like or what it feels like to just be connected to these centers, this space in between to the sacredness of your divine body. Perhaps notice emotion that arises and notice if you're jumping back into your mind. A lot of the time this is quite nonverbal. You might not actually be able to find any words or anything that you know with your mind to describe this feeling. Just acknowledge the sensation and notice as you let yourself be with her, her with a capital H, how you begin to shift. 
how your body shifts once you tap into that space between. And you might find that you automatically shift into duality. Recognize that. That's also part of who you are. Allow yourself to surrender, soften, and allow the duality of who you are and the non-duality of who you are. You can sit in this space for as long as you like. Return back whenever you feel ready, whenever you feel called. 